good morning. I want to welcome you to Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, we're so excited that we have the opportunity and that you chose to be here to share in this opportunity for us to take a moment uh, to pause, to reflect, to allow God to speak to our hearts and our minds as an opportunity to celebrate the goodness of God together. And one of the ways that we do that every week as we gather together corporately as a church is through singing. And over the next couple weeks, um, we are taking a look at some of the songs that we sing, um, reflecting on the words and the significance of the lyrics that we're singing. You know, sometimes when we come to church or when we do anything in life that we do regularly, it can become habit or routine. Um, it can be something that we start to do without actually thinking about what we're doing. And so in this series that we started last week, we're just taking a moment to actually talk about the significance of the songs that we sing and looking at them together. You know, for thousands of years now, when God's people have gathered together corporately, singing has been a tradition that they have always done. And for a number of different reasons. Sometimes God's people gather together to sing and to celebrate who God is, and some of the things that he has done. When God remain, uh, proves himself faithful by keeping one of his promises, when God steps in and hears and answers a prayer, God's people love to sing and to celebrate that. Sometimes we gather together to sing uh, for the purpose of thanksgiving, just to remind ourselves of all of God's blessings in our lives and to, to thank God together for what he has done and what he continues to do. Sometimes when we sing, it's about praise and adoration. It's just about acknowledging who God is in his character, his goodness and his faithfulness, his holiness, his love, his grace, his mercy. And sometimes when we get together, we sing to remember what God has done in the past. Sometimes when we gather together and sing, we're singing directly to God himself. And sometimes when we gather and we sing, we actually sing songs to one another, to encourage one another, to remind one another of just what it is that should be at the forefront of our minds, our hearts, and our lives. Let me give you a great example of that this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Psalm 46. Because Psalm 46 is a great uh, a great example of, of what it means to remember God's faithfulness and to sing in such a way that not only is directed at God, but in some ways directed at one another and ourselves to remind ourselves of something that we need to know. And so you can open up your Bible if you have it with you, or you can scan this QR code, and that'll open up the Bible app event that you can follow along with us this morning, and you can interact with our church in a number of ways. You can share prayer requests through the Bible app. You can fill out a connection card if you're a guest with us. We would love to know more about you, how we can be praying for you, how we could encourage you, how we as a church could serve and minister to you. And so you can follow along with us there in the Bible app as we continue this series, The Songs We Sing. And so we're going to turn our attention to Psalm 46. And here the psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, sometimes when we read Psalms like that, maybe Psalm 46 is one that you're familiar with. You grew up in church or maybe you you have a bookmark that you use in your Bible that has this psalm printed out on it. Or maybe you have a different favorite psalm, but something very similar. One that is nice. It, it, It makes us feel good when we read it, but maybe we don't always stop and think about what the psalm is actually saying. Because if you stop and you think about the words of this psalm, you actually recognize the situation that the congregation who would be singing this song is in. And think about some of the words that come out of that psalm. The earth gives way. The waters roar and foam. Whenever you're singing about God being our fortress and our strength and our refuge, Whenever you sing about God being that sturdy foundation on which you can stand, what is it that would prompt you to sing such a song? Well, maybe you would sing about God being that firm foundation as opposed to when all the the waters are roaring and foaming because everything in your life is in turmoil and tossing and turning. We sing about God's firmness about how the mountain on which he places us will never go away, though all the rest of the mountains crumble and are tossed into the sea. When you sing something like that, it's probably because it feels like everything in life is crumbling away. Like the things in life that you thought would be sure and steady actually aren't quite as firm as you wanted. When we sing about God being a fortress... In the midst of things like that psalm says, wars and desolation. When you sing to remind yourself of God being a fortress, it's probably because the world is throwing everything it has at you. All the attacks and all the fiery darts that you could handle. And you sing to remind yourself that God is a fortress. And why would you sing about morning coming, about the dawn coming. Well, you might sing about the morning coming because it feels like everything in life is dark. Sometimes when we gather together corporately to sing, we sing to remind ourselves of who God is despite what it is that we endure in the world. One of the songs that we just sang, the last one, it is well through it all. I want to read some of the verses that we just sang. And perhaps you'll recognize where some of these ideas come from. And many of them are tied directly and connected to Psalm 46. 
Verse 1 said, Grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Verse 2 said, Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. So let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. And that song in many ways is reminding us that despite what we endure in life, could be turbulent wind and waves and seas, mountains that stand between us and maybe perhaps the person we know God has called us to be or things that we know God has called us to do. When life seems difficult, when everything in our life that should be firm feels like it's crumbling away, when we look around and it seems like just everything is dark and we want to be reminded that dawn is coming, that there is light before us, one of the ways we can encourage our own hearts is to gather together corporately to sing. That's one of the reasons why we do it every week. But you know, this song that we just sang not only reminds us of Psalm 46, a cry to remember, a cry to our own souls to remember that God is both our refuge and our strength and our fortress. This song also looks forward to what would later happen in the life and ministry of Jesus. And a lot of the language harkens back to a story out of Mark chapter 4. And so what I want us to do is I want to look at Mark chapter 4 together. And in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, it says this, And on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the sea. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And leaving the crowd, they, the disciples, took him, Jesus, with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love the scene um, as they're in the boat and as the wind and the waves are getting more and more intense. Now, about half of Jesus' disciples, those who are in the boat with him, before, before following Jesus with their lives, were professional fishermen. And so these were individuals who were no strangers to rough seas, to strong winds, to storms coming on in the middle of the night. And so the fact that they were fearful for their lives mean means that this was a, a pretty serious ordeal because they knew how to handle just your average, average everyday storm, the wind and the waves would not have been too intimidating about it. And um, 
As they start to get more and more worried, Jesus is in the boat asleep. How that's possible, I don't know, but he was. Jesus was in the boat asleep, and uh, what's interesting is they go and they wake him up, and, and notice what they say. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we're all here to die? And what I find funny is they don't actually ask Jesus to do anything. They're just mad that he's comfortable asleep, and they're scared. I, I don't know at this point that they even expected Jesus to do something about it at this point, because as we see Jesus's response to them, He's asking them, why are you so afraid? Why, why you still have, have you still no faith? And so even them waking Jesus up wasn't a sign of faith as much as it was a sign of confusion and frustration because in the moment, the storm was so great that it's all that they could see. The storm was so great that it drowned everything else out in life. It had become all that they cared about. And with just a few words, Jesus commands the wind and the waves to be still. And the disciples' response is fear and awe. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so not only is that song that we sang, it is well through it all, a connection to Psalm 46, a song that has been sung for thousands of years when God's people have gotten together, but it's also a connection to Mark 4. As we say, as we sang in the bridge, so let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. That even the waves and the wind obey his voice. And here Jesus, in response, tells the wind and the waves to be still. If you'll remember from Psalm 46, this is what God commands of his people. And Psalm 46 is... The congregation is singing about the challenges of life and how in the midst of everything else in life going wrong, how God is our firm foundation. It's what we can stand steady upon. Notice the quotation marks that begin in verse 10. We, we shift in the middle of this psalm from reminding our own souls of what is true about God to God speaking to us, which is what happens when we gather together and sing. That when we gather together corporately to sing, not only do we voice things to God, but in many ways, God will speak to us. And here in this psalm, God does speak to his people. He says, be still. Just when the wind and the waves were overtaking the boat, when the disciples were completely full of fear and worry about their lives, when it seemed as if there was no hope. As they were on this boat in the middle of the night and all was dark, Jesus told the wind and waves, be still. And here God tells his people in the middle of their song, be still. Be still and know that I 
am God. Now, it depends on how much experience you have in church. Some of you may have grown up in church your whole life, and for some of you, this is still relatively new. Many of the songs that we sing are songs that you've never heard before, and so sometimes you're, you're, you're learning these songs on a weekly basis as we sing them for the first time for, for you. But if you've been a part of church for a while, this song that we sang, It Is Well Through It All, might remind you of something that you used to sing. Something that you used to sing in church growing up. An old hymn titled, It Is Well. It is well with my soul. Here are some of the words from the song that we sang today that share in common with this old hymn. In the chorus of the song we sang earlier, we sang, Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. And then in the ending, we sang, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now those words are not original to the song that we sang today. They're taken from that old hymn. Let me tell you about where that old hymn comes from. In the late 19th century, there was a man named Horatio Spafford. He had a wife and five children. Horatio Spafford, by all accounts, by the outside looking in, it looked as though his life were perfect. He had a great family, a great life situation. He was wealthy. He was a prominent businessman in Chicago, owned a lot of real estate, was well-known, well-respected. And Horatio and his wife were good friends with an old preacher named D.L. Moody, who the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago today is named after. D.L. Moody was a famous preacher and evangelist in the late 19th century. But while everything looked great on the outside and was truly great on the inside, things began to change in 1870. In 1870, Horatio's only son died at the age of four of scarlet fever. And then just a year later, things would continue to get worse as the great Chicago fire of 1871 destroyed most of his real estate holdings. But as we all recognize, physical possessions aren't everything, but that can be difficult. And so what Horatio and his wife decided is we need a vacation. You ever been there before? Some of you are like, yeah, every three weeks, right? Sometimes life is just so crazy or things are difficult or you've just suffered the loss of things that were important. And you're like, I just need a break. And that's exactly where Horatio and his wife were. So they decided they were going to take a vacation in England. And what they were going to do is they were going to board a ship. They traveled to New York to board a ship, to a, a French ship that was sailing across the Atlantic to England. And they were actually going to go and not only spend some time vacationing there, but their good friend D.L. Moody, this famous preacher, was doing an evangelistic preaching tour throughout Britain. 
And they decided, let's go with him and we can help and be there to serve alongside him. But also, we just need a break. But at the last minute, um, Horatio got a new business opportunity that he needed to attend to. And so he sent his wife and his four daughters on ahead of him, knowing that he was going to take care of some business and then he would catch up with them quickly. But in November of 1871, the ship that was carrying his wife and four daughters collided with another ship, and it sunk in less than 12 minutes, taking the lives of 266 people that were on board, including all four of Horatio's daughters. Horatio, while he was still stateside doing business, got a telegram from his wife, which read in part, Saved alone, what shall I do? So Horatio dropped whatever he was doing, boarded the first ship he could get on across the Atlantic, and went to go be with his grieving wife. Um, Because the captain of the ship knew what had happened when they were approaching the location in which the ship that was carrying his four daughters had gone down, The captain went and got Horatio and said, I thought you'd like to know, but this is about the location in which the ship went. And after standing on the bridge of the ship for a little while, Horatio went back to his cabin. And it was in the cabin that he penned this hymn, It is well with my soul. Sometimes when life is difficult, when it feels like the earth around us is just crumbling away, when it feels like the waves and the wind are so strong and so big that we're going under, when it feels like there is so much darkness around, we're just waiting for morning to come. Sometimes what we need is to remind ourselves of who God is. We need that reminder that despite the challenges and difficulties that life brings, God is our strength. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. Sometimes what we need is in those crazy, chaotic moments of complete chaos, we need that reminder, be still. Be still. Just be still. For just a few minutes. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. For just a few minutes, don't worry about what's coming tomorrow. For just a few minutes, don't distract yourselves with your phone. Just be still. One of the benefits of gathering together every week, corporately like this, is for a moment we get to just be still. And if we're honest, for most of us, we don't get very many of these moments. 
when we gather together to sing corporately, we don't do it just because it's tradition. We don't do it just because it's habit. We do it because our soul needs it. We need to be reminded of God's goodness and his faithfulness. We need to challenge and encourage one another. Sometimes we just need to tell our own souls that God is good and he is faithful and he is sturdy. And for a moment, we just need to listen as God says, be still and know that I am God. As the song we sang said in the bridge, I've read it several times already, so let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and winds still know his name. Whatever life throws at you, be reminded that all of this world, all of life, still obeys God's voice. All of it is still in subjection to him, that he controls it all. And in that we can rest. And in that we can celebrate that he is our strength and our refuge. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a gift. A gift of a moment to be still. And what we're going to do in response is we're going to sing that song, It Is Well Through It All, once again. And we're going to sing it not out of habit or tradition, but as a declaration that God is our strength and our refuge. And that no matter what life throws at us, still it is well with our soul. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you in this moment. And we stand humbly before you. To just be still and to know that you are God. To acknowledge that no matter what happens in this life, you are still that sturdy foundation, that rock upon which we can stand. To be encouraged and reminded that the wind and waves of this life and world still obey your voice. That no matter what chaos happens around us, that you are still in control. And that even when we have nothing else to hold on to in life, we can hold on to the truth that it is well with our soul. Because of you and your faithfulness and what you have done for us. I want you to keep your eyes closed right where you sit this morning. God is our firm foundation upon which our feet can stand because of what Jesus has done for us. Not only in dying on the cross for us, but in rising again, he proves victorious over sin and death. And through that, he gives us an invitation. An invitation to place our lives in his. 
to give up control and give it to the only one who really has control. The one who, at his voice, the wind and waves obey. I want to give you this moment right now, just as a time to think and to pray and to offer your life over to Jesus. To give it him control. Maybe for the first time ever. Or maybe just once again as a reminder that it's all his. That you trust him.